Good evening and welcome to The Obelisk. Tonight's guest is the illustrious Max Egan. Max currently resides in a remote valley in southern Queensland, Australia. He originally restricted himself to his Crow House podcast, preferring the relative anonymity of the particular medium. However, the popularity of Max's broadcast led to numerous invitations to speak at various events across the globe. Fortunately, Max agreed and has been sharing his insight and observations with live audiences for the past three years, probably longer. It's an old bio. Max has produced two full-length films, The Awakening in 2011 and 2012's Transformation, both of which have been widely acclaimed and watched by well over a million viewers worldwide. The AB6 speakers list would not have been complete without the unique contributions of Max. Max, welcome to the Obelisk, sir. Nice to be here, brother. Thanks for asking me on. Ah, yes, our, our Max, this is a great pleasure. You are, as I told you behind the scenes here, you're just, I've loved you from the beginning. You're one of the great, in my opinion, and from where I stand, one of the great voices out there of reasoning and uh, of just philosophical awareness in the bigger picture and of the bigger picture. So this is a great honor. And when we started this three years ago, you were on the top of my list. It's a very humbling thing to say. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate it very much. <laughs> so how are things going out there? Oh, look, it's crazy. It's just crazy. What can I say? Australia has gone mad. Uh, but yes. as the world has gone mad. But then, as I predicted, I've been saying for about 20 years, I mean, you see what's going on here. We've got checkpoints across Melbourne. You bring in checkpoints in New York as well now here. Um, yes, just, just today. For years and years, if, if we do not address the moral dilemma, which is Palestine, then the way of Palestine will be the way of the world. Now, when you look at Gaza Strip and you look at West Bank and now you look at New York and you look at Melbourne, well, welcome to Palestine. That's the thing, you know, and it's been predictable, but it's it's kind of freaky to watch how, how quick it's rolling out and how many people are simply complying with it. I think the reason they are complying with it, though, is, is the speed that it's all happened. They're kind of, they're shocked, they're stunned, you know, half of them are in fear and they're making sure they get this lockdown in place and all these checkpoints in place before that, that fear dissipates and people you know are no longer in fear of this uh, alleged virus and suddenly they're just going to wake up and find themselves in this prison when it all subsides and think well hang on how did that happen you know but it's happening everywhere it's pretty freaky to see yeah it's it is the boiling frog syndrome and i, I do i do wonder if the quickness of it Though ultimately, once it got too hot, from hot to boiling is a very small, small degree there, that it seeing so many people go along without questioning it. If it is that rather uh, stun, stunning uh, acceptance of a moment, like right before a deer in the headlights, you know, right before you get hit, <laughs> right before mm. the water turns to boil, and. Mm. Because it perplexes me, Max, that so many people are just not questioning these narratives. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it is perplexing, but it's kind of understandable as well if you, if you really look at um, things on a deeper level. I mean, reality isn't what we think, and this world isn't what we think. Uh, nothing is, is the way we think it is. 
And through my research um, over over my whole lifetime, um, I've realised that, that history is is completely fabricated, and that they do these things in cycles. This is a this is a an event that happens quite often. Every hundred years to two hundred years, this type of event happens, and um, the question as to why so many people uh, just go along with it and don't wake up, you've got a question as to whether they're um, really people. I mean, the whole concept of non-active players and things like this. Um, a lot of the, the, the talks and writings you can find will suggest that th this happens, like I said, every couple of hundred years, and it's a gradual um, depopulation program, but it's kind of played like a game. It's kind of played like a game with levels, and, and part of it is finding where the real people are, which is why they sort of stage these types of events. You know, a lot of the people out there are just non-active players. You can think of, think of a, a concept such as Westworld. You know what I mean? A lot of people you will never wake up because they're simply not aware. They're probably not even real people. I mean, you know, um, like I said, I'm getting into some pretty esoteric sort of a ground that I don't usually talk about on air. But there are there is there is a lot of researchers and a lot of um, credence to the concept that at least ninety percent of the people on on the earth here are simply bio robots and that half of half why they even construct a truth movement and why they do these sorts of things because the ones who don't comply they're the ones they're looking for it's kind of like finding needle in the haystack it's kind of a game they play each time and um that's what's happening at the moment and that's why you won't wake most of the people up you'll never ever wake most of the people up because most of the people is simply not not capable of waking up and we don't need them to wake up all we need to do is know the energetic state we're in and how we face what is coming as I, as i've often said you know facing the path of the warrior being able to face infinity without flinching you know how much are you willing to do to uh, avoid the one part of life which is inevitable which is exiting the realm you know and they've got us down to a point now with the kobe pass and all these checkpoints and everything they want to do like the kobe pass they actually literally want to um, take a sample of your blood to see if you're infected before you do anything, like before you go on a plane, before you go into a shopping centre. They want you to do a little test. They're a tiny little prick. Just get a little sample of your blood to make sure you're not infected with anything. Put it through the, the COVID scanner, you know. So they've got people to do a blood ritual in order to perform a commercial activity, which is a, this whole um, terrible thing anyway. And the whole commercial profiteering the money is a talisman for control. It takes away our ability to give and respect and, and live with each other. You know, money is a, is a very, very sinister thing. And, and they're doing this. They'll perform a blood ritual to perform a, a talismanic ritual in order to avoid the one part of life which is inevitable. And how much of your soul are you willing to, to sell? And how much are you going to spend your life going through this realm, which is a temporary experience, in order to and, and be, be pressed and cowed and, and squashed and turned into this non-human thing in, in, in your attempt to avoid the one part of life which is inevitable, which is death. I mean, you're going to do all this stuff because you're scared of dying, you're scared of little virus or all this. You came here to die. It's a given. That's what you're going to do. So why are we going through all this stuff to avoid this? And There's a deeper level to it all. There's a deeper level to the whole thing. So, uh, And they've done this before. If you go back and look at the Spanish flu in 1918, they had the masks on. They had the whole signs up there. They had no more than 10 people allowed. All the shops were closed down. They do it all the time. Every every couple of hundred years they do this. They've had these, these pandemics every hundred years. And um, 
when you really start looking deeper and looking at history and and things that we've we've found out, such as the mud flood that I've talked about, um, Tartaria, the repopulating of the world with children, the orphan trains, everything that happened around the 1800s, late 1800s, you can see this is an ongoing thing. They they cull the population every hundred years or so, perhaps every two hundred years. Then they repopulate the world with children. They teach them whatever history they want, and then they run the whole cycle again. You know, so this is something that people need to consider. You know, and even when you look at the the, the deep underground bases and all of that sort of stuff you've got in the United States and here as well, if you look at the timeline they give us for the Industrial Revolution. You look at the quality and the, the the nature and the size of these huge underground bases and the the um, the amount of them that they're everywhere, the, the complexity of the whole system. Do, do people seriously think this was built since our industrial revolution? Well, of course it wasn't. They were already there. The industrial revolution was just what they did after the last reset. Is to, oh, we've just had an industrial revolution. We've got all this new technology. Just teach people whatever history they want. And we all think the industrial revolution happened, you know, a hundred years ago or a couple hundred years ago, and we all move forward to this point. They do it every time. And then they just recycle it. You know, we're living in a people farm. And this is what I've been trying to uh, convey to people. I mean, I know I've covered a lot there, and I've probably gone off on a lot of tangents and branched off on a lot of areas. But um, when people look around them at what is happening, the problem is they're not prepared to kind of step outside the game arena and really look at it, really just just look at it, put it all in perspective and uh, remove all of your belief of what is real, belief of what is possible. Just put all the cards on the table and, and see where they lay and see where they fall, you know. And when you, when you do that, and, and I've traveled extensively, and I can tell you right now, none of, none of the official timeline of history makes any sense at all. If you look at the, the, uh, the items and, and artifacts that are left strewn all over the earth. So, you know, people just aren't prepared to do that. They're not prepared to consider the options. They, they put it all on a political stage or a religious stage or whatever, and they can't see how they've been played in all of these aspects. And, and what's really going on here. So, yeah, I don't know where we can go from that. But like I said, I probably branched off on a few tangents well, there. I have an, an immediately pressing question. How is Billy? Billy's great, actually. He's sitting right outside <laughs> the door. I'm looking at him. He's sitting at the door wondering if I'll come out and give him some seeds. All right. Billy's a, a wonderful little peacock. He's only young. Like when you see his display, it's only about three feet high. It's, it's, he's, he's got a tiny little display compared to his dad. But uh, he was born here, Billy. He was born here about three years ago. And his sister, his, his mama, Flo, she sort of wanders around. And then the two little ones, Speckles and Hutch, they're only six months old. But they were all actually born on this property. They're all wild birds. But they kind of, the peacocks just moved in here about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And they liked the place. So they've stayed around. But Keith and the big boys have gone off wandering for the last few weeks. But for Billy may not know. Well, on a walkabout. Yeah, but Billy and Flo and, and Speckles and Hutch, they were born here, so they're very comfortable with the place. So they just hang around. Sorry, Nish, go ahead. Well, just for people that may not know, Billy is a special peacock. When Max had his YouTube channel before it was taken down, rudely, uh, in this wave, Billy was often seen in Max's uh, walkabouts and is, it became like a substar. <laughs> So it's uh, you would just have to go back and see see how wonderful he is. He's he is special. 
I was so Max, I was wanting to get so the idea of blood ritual is definitely what comes in with the COVID pass and um, blood in, blood out, as they say, right? And I'm wondering where you stand with the idea of control after death. Is there a mechanism that's tied into, say, some of these electromagnetics and the idea of the Tesla ether uh, that could, could have a pull that deep? on us well yeah absolutely look um if you can understand uh the nature of the fractal nature of reality and and how that fractal nature of reality could be um synthesized or simulated um through computers through through virtual reality you know if you were pulled into virtual reality how would you know it had ever been done if you look at people walking around or wandering around everyone's filming everything everything is online everything is online all the thoughts we have now and we, we used to read books and we'd have these sparks of awareness they would go within now we're looking at things online we're having those sparks of awareness and they're going into the mainframe they're going into the computer into the virtual reality when you understand li-fi led lighting is is it literally an internet it's you can i don't need 5g for fast internet you could use led lighting and we could all hook up wirelessly to led lighting and you can transfer um information that way through led this is a, a real technology they call it life and people don't even realize it's there then when they changed all the monitors and the phone screens and everything to led screens because now we are interfacing with the computer we're an electromagnetic being giving off a signal the computer screen that you're looking at is also a, an LED powered screen, which is also giving off a Wi-Fi signal to you and you are interacting with it. I've had experiences where I've, I've thought I need some more turmeric from my arthritis in my thumb. Didn't say, I just thought it. And within two minutes, I had two ads from Amazon trying to sell me turmeric. You know, this is pretty random to be I mean, turmeric, you know, you're not trying to sell me car parts or whatever. Yeah, it's turmeric, it's pretty random. And I didn't say it, I just thought it. So when you think about that, how hard would it be for them to pull you into that mainframe? Now, if they go and do these blood rituals, they're coming around with these COVID tests. They're giving a little swab up your nose, which is, is sending this thing in, this, this 10 centimeter long swab to touch the blood brain barrier in, in your nasal cavity. Why do they need to go in that far? What are they actually doing? Are they collecting your DNA? Um, are they lining it up and pre preparing the code so that when you can come along and give your little blood sacrifice, what are they pulling you into? How would, would they be able to pull you out of this world and into the fractal? And would you ever know you were there? You know what I'm saying? And how many, if, if they can do that, then have they already done it? This is a thing, Harry Vox, a friend of mine, always says that, um, um, if they can do it, they will do it, which means they already have. And that's the way you need to look at things. So, you know, I start looking at react. I had an experience in February, like a, a crazy experience where I got hit with some directed energy thing and my whole world flipped. And yeah, all, yeah. And I, could well, almost, I, I could almost see the fractal. I could see it. And I could see how all um concepts of reality can exist within the same reality the concept of the globe earth the concept of the flat earth the concept of the holographic earth the fractal earth the electric universe it's all part and parcel to the same thing it depends on where your perception is and when you can see this place as being a projection it will be it doesn't matter what the shape is it will be whatever the the collective um the majority of the collective believes it to be because the belief will project that and it will create that that's how it works 
you know, so it can be anything we want. So if we can get enough people believing in a certain reality, how hard would it be to pull them into that fractal? And then that becomes their reality into that mainframe. If you were living within the computer mainframe, how would you ever know? And when you look at sacred geometry, look at the sacred spiral, when you break everything down, anything that looks like random chaos, you look out there at the trees and the leaves, it looks like random chaos, just piled up in picturesque disorder. But there's no disorder in there at all. When you break it down to its component parts and you get into those leaves and you get into the ratio between the leaves and the branches on the trees and the veins in the leaves and even get down to the molecular structure of the leaves, it's all mathematical. There isn't anything that isn't mathematically perfect in this world, no matter how chaotic it looks. So is this a random experience? Is this a natural big bang type random bunch of chemical soup that we know? There's no way. This is a mathematical construct. This is, this is an intelligent designed um, fractal reality that we're in because the fractal even resists, even exists within this physical reality, when you break it down to its component parts, getting the phi ratio and sacred spirals and stuff like that. So, you know, when you can get human consciousness and you can control its belief and get it to believe this certain boxed form of reality, then you can pull that into a mainframe and then that becomes the new level of the fractal. And then you manipulate it again and you take it down further, you know. And when you look at this, um, the whole concept of living in a people farm, I'm getting into some pretty dark, weird stuff here. Keep going. Keep going. Territory, <laughs> Don't stop. The whole, the whole concept of, if, if there's a whole bunch of non-active players here, okay? Non-active players, these are just bio-robots. You're living in a people farm. What, what are they farming? They're farming the meat. They eat the people. We know they're our leaders. There's a lot of cannibalism, a lot of dark stuff happens. Yes. You know, if you could, if you could create, if you were going to create a, your cattle and then just put a mind in it so it didn't know it was a robot, it would just grow the meat for you. And that mind, a lot of these non-active players could even be imprisoned in a mainframe somewhere or trapped like the Matrix or whatever. But, but in amongst it, there's real people like us. And they try to trap us and get us into the fractal. I mean, it's part of the game, you know. But if you were going to harvest all that meat, but you wanted to preserve those levels of consciousness, well, that's what you do. You'd pull them into the fractal, pull them into the mainframe, and then you could repopulate them in, in other bodies through these children or whatever. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure a lot of it out. But um, I think that's what's happening. I think that's what's happening. And that's how the the the... The holographic universe can work in a virtual reality. I mean, if you're on a if you're on a globe Earth and then you were pulled into a mainframe, well, it would be flat. And it will be flat, it will be globe, it will be whatever. It doesn't matter. It will be whatever the collective consciousness believes it is, because it's all a projection of, of the mind of God anyway. You know, so you know, there's there's whole deeper levels of this. But if you can be pulled into the mainframe, then you've got the fractal reality. You've got the, the small version of reality within the mainframe. You've got the holographic universe because it's all virtual reality. You've got the electric universe because we're all electrical anyway. And everything that happens within the computer mainframe is electrical. So it all exists together. You can have, you can have globe, you can have flat, you can have holographic, you can have um, fractal, you can have electrical. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. You know, do you see how that works? But that's what I think is going on here. That's what I think is going on. I think that there's a lot of non-active players here that are just put here basically to grow the meat. And, uh, and, and thinking of that, I mean, something that I like to point out to people is that, um, you know, there are no borders at a higher level. There are no countries at a higher level. 
there's no real government animosity at a high level. You can think of the world as one um, multinational, multi-generational criminal cabal running a, a people farm that is set up as a what appears to be an international government system of nations and different countries that are all vying with each other for power and control. Really, it's just a theatre for the masses to keep them uh, distracted in what's going on. And what they're doing is they're, they're just basically growing the meat. Um, in the Australian fires that happened here at the beginning of the year, everybody seems to have forgotten about, and now COVID's here. But during those fires, there were 1.5 million people who were relocated from Australia. They were taken out of the, the burnt out areas in, in New South Wales and Victoria. They were loaded onto Navy ships and they were evacuated. Where were they evacuated to? Where are they? Where are those people? 1.5 million people. Where did they go? Nobody's asking that question. I can't see any tent cities anywhere. I can't see any any big properties were set up for all these people to accommodate them. I can't see them rebuilding any of their houses. The news isn't talking about any of it. Where did all these people go? 1.5 million people. If you were going to harvest some of the flock and you didn't want the rest of the flock to know that they were in a people farm, how would you go about it? Interesting questions, you know. That's exactly where I was going with this was in, in my notes, I had harvest time written. Uh, it, it is it is part and parcel with the idea of when it is harvest time, that's when you get everything in order. That's when that's when the lineup happens. That's when the cattle, the chattel in this case, because that's what we are to to this system, mm. get lined up and start going down their merry way. Right. Exactly. And you could think of the lockdown as a stock take. And um, those people who are awake will be the ones who are, you know, disappear, basically, if, if they go about things the wrong way. You know, it's crisis, um, it's opportunity in all crisis. And it's how we face this and how we choose to go about things. And, and I mean, there's a great opportunity. Every time this happens, there's a great opportunity for freedom. But um, I don't think people really realise the depths of, of what's going on here and how controlled and coordinated it is, um, how all the governments are working together. And um, what's happened in the United States also has been profound. Um, the whole Trump thing, Q, you know, Trump, Trump, is, Trump has been a patriot appeasement program. People, people have said, you know, oh, if Hillary got in, we would be in a war with Iran already. Or it, it, it's no, Iran isn't the enemy. It, it, it's theatre. It's theatre. Um, if, if Hillary had gotten elected, there would have been a revolution in the United States and all the patriots would have taken the country back. Trump kept them sitting there on their asses, waiting for Trump to save them. And now they've managed to destroy the US economy remove uh, the, the value of the US passport. You can't travel anywhere on a US passport just about now. Um, they've destroyed the economy, decimated the food chain, put everybody under house arrest and closed all the borders and not a shot's been fired. Nobody stood up, nobody did anything. They all let it happen because it's all part of taking down the deep state. They've managed to completely destroy the United States and put it in a situation and, and close all the borders and, and put it in a situation that it will probably never recover from without a shot being fired. He could never have done that if Hillary Clinton had been arrested. So people need to wake up and see what's going on. It's been amazing to watch, like sitting from outside the country and watching it from out here. And I go to the United States a lot and I see it a lot and I know what the people are like. And 
I've been just watching it thinking this is this is incredible how how, how they can't see it you know and he, he's the trump card of course he's the trump card he's just it's incredible what they've done without a shot being fired so and and for all the the terrible stuff that's happening here in victoria with the eight o'clock curfew and all that sort of stuff and all the checkpoints and the incredible brutality from the police well they just announced like yesterday or something that there's going to be checkpoints in new york for people from coming into new york from outside of new york you wait you wait it'll it'll get a little bit further you'll have a curfew in new york pretty soon you have checkpoints you'll have people not being allowed to go more than five miles from their house or five kilometers from their house the way they've done in melbourne I mean, this is the way it's going to go. They're going to do it right around the world. In, in England, I mean, they're locking people down, saying they can't go five kilometres from their house and we've got this terrible pandemic. Apparently, there's been, I don't know how many thousands of people die in England. I mean, I don't believe any of the figures anyway, but you know, according to official figures, there's been certain amounts of thousands of people die in England. They're saying they've reopened the pubs and there's no restrictions on the pubs. So what does that tell everybody? If, if, if this pandemic is so bad, how come we've got checkpoints and, and all this stuff in New York and in Melbourne and curfews, and yet they're opening pubs? Sweden never locked down, no problem there. You know, people can't see what's going on. I mean, it's got to the point that um, they're giving us every opportunity to push back and call this out for what it is. Because, I mean, it's, it's become, it's not even, you can't even call it a pandemic anymore. It's now an IQ test. If, if you can't see what's going on, I mean, <laughs> Honestly, you know. One of the things that alarmed me early on, I'd say, I don't know, two or three years ago when there was this big emphasis on uh, the structural integrity of the United States roadways. And the only thing that seemed to get done was across the USA, they put in roundabouts. Well, traditionally, roundabouts have been checkpoint places because they're easy to... uh, they're 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 set up that way they're one or two lanes at the most uh they're easy to control and that that was so in cities in large cities and small alike where other infrastructure was way more dire bridges and whatnot it was every city got these checkpoints on highways and uh and here we are you know it seemed it was just curious to me that 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 became the the focal point of this infrastructure upgrade and then i'm also so with that said that that leads us to this idea of where we are and i'm wondering with what was said earlier the ratio what would you consider the ratio of those of us and for lack of better word that are that have a a real sentience a natural sentience like a soul sentience as opposed to the easy terminology right now is npc what do you think that ratio is well it's it's speculated that at least 90 some would even say 99 percent of the people here are, are simply bio robots um that's estimates coming out of russia I mean, if you, if you look at things, there's, there's estimates that there used to be something like um, 500 to 600 billion people on Earth. We could easily, we could easily uh, support that. There's a garden that's been found in uh, Northern Africa, which is around about 1,007 square miles, this garden, which would have fed most of the Earth. 
um, yeah, I mean, the, the Earth isn't overpopulated. It's not overpopulated. We, and the, the figures, we don't even know how many people are on Earth. I mean, who, who does the counting? Well, they do these census figures and stuff. I mean, who does the counting for all this stuff? We, there could even be 7 billion people just in China. We just don't know. We don't know what the figures are. But there are estimates that there was around about five to 600 billion people on Earth. There was around about 100 billion people living here in Australia. Australia was a rainforest, the whole place. If you look at the country around Australia, look at Indonesia, New Zealand, Tasmania, uh, New Guinea, and even certain uh, on the east coast of Australia, it's full, thick, three-level rainforest. There's even hot springs in the very centre of Australia, like in places like Mataranka, that uh, where there's, there's hot springs flowing and the rainforest there is like prehistoric rainforest, just little pockets of it, just a few acres of it there in the centre of the country. Well, what's that doing there, you know? Because the whole country used to be rainforest. And it's estimated that before the last um, reset, there was still somewhere between 60 to 85 billion people on the earth. Um when you look at the, the catacombs, the, the bones beneath uh, Russia, I mean, beneath Paris, in that three-kilometre section, there's six million bones, uh, the bones of six million people stacked up like rolls of parchment with skulls making sigils in the walls. And that, this is just a three-kilometre section. Those tunnels go for about 30 kilometres underneath Paris, and they're multi-layered. They don't know how many layers they go down. And there's similar tunnels to them with human bones in them in Lima. I believe there's also in bones Sicily. like that in Rome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would suggest that um, there's probably tunnels like that also under New York, under LA, under Sydney, under Melbourne. I mean, I would suggest that they do this all the time. Um, and any anything from 90 to 99% of the people are non-active players. Once they've extracted the actual soul consciousness, like, well, you and I, or, or if we succumb and we are unable to face infinity without flinching and we get pulled into that, um, then we will become a non-active player. Next time we come here, very likely, we, we would be uh, in the mainframe and we would be just a bio-robot, not knowing we're a bio-robot. Um, I suspect something like that is going on. Um, with with that, and to ruminate on that for a second, one of the things that struck me early on with all this was was this idea of when it came to this viral situation was that they this was actually a sweep to see a sweep searching for the sold. Uh, it is. It is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's exactly yeah. what. It is. So it, it's how you, um, which this, this is what I think is related to that, that attack that I had in February as well. I think they're actually you know, tagging me sort of thing. Um, and I, I, it was an interesting thing because I went through every deja vu I'd ever experienced. I went through all sorts of past life stuff. I went through, you know, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. I think deja vus are, are because you've done this before. <laughs> We keep doing this. We keep yes, coming back and doing it. Like literally. 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 Yeah. We keep coming back and doing <laughs> it again. Um, so, and also something you were saying before I wanted to touch on when you said about the roundabouts, 
a few years ago, I mentioned to people, this is what the ring roads are for around major cities. All these ring roads to make it convenient so you can skirt the major city. Yes. Now, this, is, this is to lock you into the major city because when they create these ring roads, they, they make it so there's only like six or eight entry points to the city and they don't leave all the old roads there. They close them all. So you can't use them. You've got to use these main exits and entrances. And I said, this is a way of locking down the city. They've only got five or six checkpoints to put there and they've locked the entire city of London down, which is exactly what they're doing now. Yes. They're locking down the M25 in London so that uh, people cannot get in and out of London. And that's exactly what I said when I was in London and they, they were saying, oh, look, the great, it's M25, it's great. And I said, no, 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 this is a prison they're building for you. Absolutely. I said that to them when I was over there in 2015. Yes. Yeah, they are. I've just, I've just locked it down. So It's very that's- clear. It's tactical and also it's magical because it is there in a circular. Uh, ge- the geometry is a circle, which is a, it's convenient for sigilistic uh, control as well. So it's a multi-layer there. It's on the physical realm. It's on these etheric, in the etheric field as well. So we're talking about deepening the idea of it. Also, I'd like to add a practical thing here. I know that a lot of roundabouts have been added around my house in various areas where there was lots of high traffic on two-lane roads with with tons of stop signs. And they put these in. The reasoning that they say they put them in is to ease traffic, and it really has eased traffic in a lot of ways. So, I mean... Well, I think this is a very rural area. It's not a city. Right. I know your area, but they still, the the fact that it was under the guise of a major infrastructure upgrade throughout Mm -hmm. the United States, and they put them in places like my tiny town and tiny towns everywhere getting out on interstates. So, yeah, they're understandable in busy places, but I do believe this was social engineering and geoengineering as well. Uh, There was an agenda with this because of the sheer magnitude of the project. When, When you can look down the road, you know, in many places and the roads are falling apart or the bridge needs assistance. And, and so what happened? What, what was new? The roundabouts new. The bridge needs fixed what they got a roundabout. There was something always suspicious to me. And it's hard to separate that from the idea that this is a, a tactical move as well as a spiritually tactical move with the idea of the circular dynamics of them. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. There's every everything they do is a tactical move. Um, something else, like something else, pretty dark that I can probably um, share with you guys. You can you can touch dark areas on this show, I would say. But I think this is something that people seriously need to consider. Uh, like people really really need to think about what they're doing. Um, when I when I suffered that attack in February. Because I had an old smartphone here. I've got a smartphone that I use. I used to take overseas. I just don't use them here. It didn't even have a SIM card in it for Australia. But I take it overseas with me when I go overseas because you know, I'm doing speaking tours and stuff and people need to contact me. Plus, I need to get Ubers sometimes. Plus, I need Google Maps because if I'm in Holland, you cannot find your way around Holland without a map. It's just the way it is. And um, so I don't ever take it overseas with me just because it was handy for travel. And um, when I had that attack, one of the things that happened that morning was I had this overwhelming urge that I had to get rid of this phone. 
you know, I've had on the beneath my videos, every video I've put out in the last 10 years has had throw away your smartphone at the bottom of the, the clip information. And um, I got the phone, I threw it in my laptop bag because I was just going, I was going to go into the woods or something. I was, I was just, I, I said, I've got to get away from, from society. Everything's about to go bad, you know. This was in February. And um, I put the phone in my bag and I thought, I'm going to throw this in the river. And I thought, no, I, I, I can't wait that long. I need to destroy it. And I threw it on the floor and then I picked up a hammer and I started smashing it with a hammer. And I hit it um, three times with a hammer. And um, the, the third time I hit it, it, it exploded like literally like a bomb it went off in a bright white like barium explosion a little explosion ball about maybe two feet around if i'd been holding it in my hand it would have blown both my hands off if i'd been holding it against my head it would have blown my hand and half my head off um if i'd been holding it in both hands texting the way people do it would have blown my hands off and blinded me and and severely damaged my face now, you hear reports of people saying um, they have dreams, terrible dreams of, of suffering death when they're, they're blind and they're being attacked and something's biting them and eating them and they can't see and they can't fight it off. You know, when you, you think of all these non-active players, how they, how they every, everybody's walking around carrying a, a mobile phone and it's a bomb. You're carrying a lithium bomb in your hand. You're carrying, you're looking at this with both hands, you're holding it with both hands texting, you're looking at it. If, if they send a 5G signal through that and they explode the battery in your phone, it's a lithium bomb, okay? It's going to blow both your hands off and half your head off if these things go off. And the new phones, the batteries are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So what they do is they find the real souls, the real people like you and I, then they do, they, they collect them however they can, and then they just go bang. And they trigger the rest and they just wipe them out. They're gone. All the people in the smart cities with their phones and all that shit, just bang, reset. They're all gone. All the meat's there, whatever, you know. So, And the way they do it is they, they blind them. They, they've got the phone. Usually the phone's on them. It's in their pocket. It's in their back pocket. It's in their top pocket or it's in their hands or it's by their head. It's a bomb, you know. So that's how they do it. And that's what these things are. And that's one of the reasons they want everyone to have a smartphone. Have you yeah. um, heard about the batteries? I, heard, I forgot who I heard this from, but the batteries that Tesla uses in their cars have, uh, I forget the chemical, and I apologize, something 60, carbon 60, not carbon 60. I forget. Some, chem, some whatever lithium replacement is for in the, in the batteries for the hydrogen cells. Um I'll shush and I'll find out what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about basically is if there was a nuclear explosion nearby these batteries, it would turn into this very nasty radioactive material. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. But but the thing is, I mean, you're carrying a bomb. They'll tell you you can't carry this and you can't carry that because it's dangerous. It's for your safety. They'll give everyone a lithium bomb to carry around in their hands. And if you if you don't if you doubt that, if you've got an old smartphone like uh, the, the one the one it was a Galaxy S5 that I. I smashed mm -hmm. if you've got an old smartphone and you don't use it charge the battery up put it on the ground and smash it a few times with a hammer and watch how it goes off it doesn't just just smolder it doesn't just catch fire it goes off like a bomb you know and you know check it out because 
And you think of the size of the batteries in these new phones, these bigger phones and these lithium batteries that they're in, pretty, uh, pretty freaky shit. And that's what they're doing. That's what every, so, and that's how they harvest a lot of the non-active players, I would say. And I would suggest that the 90 to 99% of the people are non-active players. And that's why you will never wake them up. You know, and um, I even question, I mean, the brutality that the, the police, um, the brutality of some of these people, I mean, are they even human? Can you ever reason right. with people? Right. They're simply programmed to do what they do. And it's harvest time. And if you look at the, I did a, a show on this um, when I uh, was, before my channel was deleted, it was called um, uh, COVID-19 is not a pandemic, it is democide. Yes. And in that show, I, I showed you a breakdown of the of the, the 2012 Olympics, which was a coronavirus ritual, and it was a harvest ritual. That's what they're doing. And, and they showed the children separated from their parents. They showed the children being introduced to the nanny state. They showed the virus coming out. They showed everything. It was all there in the ritual. You know, they showed the, the um, child catcher coming out from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Right. You know? Pinocchio. Um, it was all there. It was all there. That, that chemical was cobalt, by the way. Cobalt, okay, yeah, yeah. So the, and I, I said as well, in 2012, when people said 2012 is a non-event, I said, well, no, no, consciousness shifted in 2012, and yeah. you won't know what 2012 was all about until we finish the cycle of completion, which is eight years from now, cycle of completion at the fear eight, which is infinity. Once we hit 2020, everyone will get 2020 vision, and we'll see exactly what's going on. I said that back in 2012. Oh, they're, they're still not looking. <laughs> they don't see it yet. <laughs> no, but the, the real people do. Yeah, yes, we see indeed. it for sure. <laughs> you know? Max, what, so since we touched on this and I, I wanted to go here, that the non-human aspect, and of course, for me, a lot of times that really does include and is almost fully embraced by sentient AI. I'm wondering, can you walk us down that that garden path of non-humans here and this harvesting of uh, meat that is in conjunction with all this we've been saying that ties into sentience AI. Well, it's, I'm still trying to figure a lot of it out. You know, a lot of it just sort of comes to me in downloads and stuff. Um, some, a lot of it I saw, I almost saw the interface in February. It was, it was really, really strange. But you know how they do it with the with the, the the non-active players. It's it's more the more concern is to understand how they do it with us and how they um, what is really in store for us if we are unable to face infinity without flinching and we are unable to um, move through this. That's that's the the clincher. I mean, if you look at things such as um, spirit cooking. Um, you're probably familiar with Marina Abramovic and all the stuff oh, yes. that's going oh, on yeah. there. Oh, yeah. are, you, are you aware that when they, when they harvest organs from people, you've got to actually use living organs. You can't trans, you can't just harvest an organ from someone and put it in the fridge and, and wait till there's a donor and you can't go and use it. It's got to be a living organ. You've got to be taken out of a living body and putting it into a living body. It's like the movie coma. Yeah, yeah. So they put people in um, medically induced comas and they harvest their organs from them while they're still alive. When they're in that particular state, they feel everything. They still feel it all. They, they feel you cutting into them. They feel you taking 
your organs out. They, they feel it. They, they feel the pain. They can't express that because they're just lying there in this paralyzed state. So when you look at Marina Abramovic and the whole concept of spirit cooking, they roll the cakes out and they, they eat. If you consider this being done with real people with that drug in them and they can't um, move, but they can feel what's happening. So they're producing massive amounts of adrenaline as well. So here comes the adrenochrome harvesting, how they do it all, how they cook your spirit, how they get you into that mainframe. So these are the sorts of things, such dark areas that people don't want to go into. You know, what they're really doing with the children and what they're really doing with the, with the souls that they manage to harvest at the end of the cycles through the spirit cooking and how they can cook their spirit. If they can get people to do these, these soul exchanges and these soul rituals, these blood rituals, see, it's all part of the same thing. You know, it's all, it's all involved in spirit cooking. So, um, this yeah, I mean, the rest, of it, is... the rest of it is just, it's just like cattle. Just cattle, just harvest the cattle. They're non-active players. It doesn't matter to them. See, they, we've, got to, we've got to really stop looking at it as if these are humans with empathy and compassion who think any way the way we think, you know, with our compassion for others and our care of others. And you, you've got to really look at it as a, as, a, as, a, as a business that's being run that is harvesting from your flock um, your crop or whatever, but it isn't just harvesting on a, on a physical level. It's also harvesting on a psychic level, a soul level, intellectual level, uh, an energetic level, harvesting that loose energy from you. Even harvesting the aha moments with when you go down the rabbit hole and start doing your research. It isn't just searching, it's research because you've done it so many times before. You, know, you go yes. to school and you walk up to that teacher and you say, you know, well, how does this work? And they tell you to go do your research because she's a non-active player and she's seen you before. She doesn't tell you to go search for the answer. She says, go do your research 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 because you don't realize that you already know the answer you don't need to go and research for it you already know it if you would just look within you know so we miss all we miss all of that we 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 we, we come here in a state of complete amnesia so we don't realize that we already know all of these answers that we're looking for it's just knowing that knowing within if you go down and you're searching for something something sparks your interest and you think i want to go down that rabbit hole and look down there it, it's because you already know you already know the truth you don't need to go and look you're just not prepared to actually look within to realize that you don't need to go there you don't need to give away that energetic spark you know you already know the answer you already knew, you always knew the answer you, know, you knew it before you came here, but you, you, you forget that. So you keep coming back and searching for it. It's already there. It's already within you, you know? This is the idea behind the house of the holy blood or the, the code of the blood that is, in, that is everywhere. It's satiated in all the most religious practices of some, in some way under some guise. And in uh, and, and peering into that, uh, in uh, you know, of course, the Catholics get the big, grand ribbon for you know, I am the blood, I am the body, and all this. It, it's all right there. It's it's all right there. It's always been right there, and 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 people line up and participate in 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 this feast, right? And they break their fast with the blood, with the bread, which is 
the symbol of the body. We even see that in in ancient ancient cults where the bread is the body, and uh, and and so I feel like this genetic factor has such a key role to play, and I'm wondering where where do you what what matters so much about the blood from where you stand where you know there's all the talk of rh negative but there's also the dna coding that goes in it and the energetic signature and the way that the blood is actually a key the blood in the blood out the blood is the 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 double key it's the key layered upon the key one for in one for out mm, well blood is sacred i mean if you look at the the Kabbalah, look at uh, the Jewish faith, um, they believe your soul resides within your blood. The blood is is uh, paramount. If if there's a, this is how you can always tell when there's a, a a murder or something in in Israel. Half the time they bring in a Palestinian and they kill them, and they tell you it was a Jew who was attacked by a Palestinian. It wasn't. It was a Palestinian attacked by a, a Jew dressed up as a Palestinian, because they don't clean up the blood. If it's if it was a Jewish death then the first thing to happen where a rabbi will arrive and they will collect all the blood on the scene and all of the blood will be buried with the victim. They won't leave any, any blood on the scene because the, the soul is, is said to reside in the blood. This is a special, special type of treatment that they will always perform on a Jewish death. So um, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to the blood. There's a lot of power in the blood. The, the blood control is the essence of you, which is why they want to collect the blood. Now, and what are they doing to the blood? Why they want to alter the blood? Why they want to alter you? Why they want to give you these NRMA vaccines, which alter your DNA so they can change your blood structure, change the structure of you, bring you into the next level of the fractal, whatever it is they're creating, you know? Because, yeah, I'm totally convinced they're not human. This, this isn't humans doing this. Um, what it is, 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 I mean, we get into areas where you get into argument and speculation. And this is, what, this is why I spend most of my shows. I mean, there's a lot of things that I know that I never tell people that I know because you start saying, well, this is, it creates argument. Then you've got to start to try to prove all these things. And it, it's a knowing that you have. You can't, you can't prove it. You just know it. So what I've done with my shows is I've, I, I encourage people to ask questions. You know, when I start talking about the holographic universe, I'll say to people, well, what if? This is a projection. I want to start saying this is a holographic reality. Absolutely. So what if, you know, you, you've got to, because real truth cannot, can never be told. You can never tell people the truth. They won't believe you. Real truth can only be realized. It needs to be that moment, that spark that goes off in your head and you just see it and you get it. You don't need any external stuff. You just see it, you know? So it's like water being wet. You fell in and you found out it was wet. There's no denying it. (laughs) That's one of our laurels here. And that's one of the, one of the things we, we want people to speak from their knowing. And so I think Jerry had a question, by the way. uh, Yeah. Like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. sorry. (laughs) No, it wasn't you. Go ahead. That's the important thing is, is to encourage people to ask questions because then they will realize the truth for themselves and real truth must be realized. It can never be told. Yeah, true. Because, uh, yeah, totally. That's such a truism that so many people don't realize. <clears throat> uh, my question was, re- you are talking about uh, 
certain cycles happening where there's resets and whatnot. And I was wondering if you'd looked into like the mud flood stories or Tartaria, things like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've done a lot of work on the mud flood in Tartaria and, um, the guy, the Russian guy, um, Philip Druzinin, who fought, first brought the, the mud flood yeah. to everybody's attention. Great respect for the guy. He's, I've got him on Skype here. We don't chat much, but we have briefly on occasion, but, um, yeah, very, very compelling information and obviously true. I mean, obviously real. All you've got to do is, is look at the, the timeline they give us. It's not possible. None of the things they tell us are possible. So, yeah, and, and it shows that, that um, society is reset all the time. Civilizations are reset all the time. You know, the foundlings, the orphan trains, just the fact that nobody knows about Tartaria. I mean, this was a pretty huge <laughs> empire covered a lot of ground not in any history books and the fact that you can find this mud flood over like most of europe you can find it here in australia find it in in america find it everywhere you know evidence of this and all of these old incredibly intricate old buildings that we've got around the place that we can't build anymore these aren't from our culture same as what's here in, in uh, Sydney, in Australia. There's no way that this, this uh, early Sydney was built by convicts who came out here on, on boats. There's no way. It was already here. All those buildings were already here before the British arrived. Uh, they just came to clean up after the last reset. And they fed us whatever history they wanted. And, yeah, it's, it's very compelling. And I think it's, uh, it's very interesting as well. Um, and it, but it shows you that history is completely wrong. You know, if they're going to lie about that, well, what makes you think they're going to tell the truth about anything? They just don't tell the truth. They don't tell the truth about anything, these people. Everything they said, he was backwards. Yeah, that's interesting. How, how, so in these mud floods, how do you think, and this is just a general question, that what generated all this mud? Good question. Good question. Possibility it was done with sound weapons. Um, possibility, it, 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 I mean, this, this realm... God knows what it is. But I, don't think it's, I don't think anybody's got it right yet. I don't think anybody's got it right. So the, the globe earthers, the flat earthers, the whatever earthers, I don't think anybody's got it right. But, you know, when you look at World War II, some of the, the um, interesting contraptions they had in World War II, and you look at oh, in World War I, and you look at the um, amount of mud in World War I, what was, what was synonymous about World War I was mud. Everywhere there was mud. They couldn't even drop bombs on people. There was so much mud everywhere. You drop a bomb from a plane and it just land in the mud and wouldn't explode. They couldn't get horses through the mud. They couldn't get the troops through. People were dying of rotting flesh and stuff from the mud. It was just mud everywhere. What generated so much mud? Why was there so much mud? There's old pictures you can find of these tuber-like devices that um, the Germans were using. Look like giant tubers on stands. And you look at what happens during an earthquake. The, the ground literally liquefies through the vibration. Now, you can set up a sound vibration, which would cause a frequency vibration, which would cause the earth to liquefy, the surface of the earth to liquefy. And you could create uh, a situation like that where it wasn't necessarily a mud flood, but you could turn the surface to liquid simply by hitting it with the right sound weapons and the right sound waves. So quite possibly it was done like that. I mean, we had technology that, that people can't even dream of back in the old days. You look at cathedrals. What's a cathedral? Is it really a church? The organs in these places, why are they called organs? What, what's this music they produce? Is it to heal your organs? Were these sound healing centers? Is that what 
organ music is called organ music for because it heals you, sound healing. When you look at a cathedral and you look at a cathode, an electrical cathode, superimpose a cathode over a cathedral, a cathedral, a cathode, it looks like a giant cathode. Perhaps you could even generate that type of energy from a cathedral if you knew how to properly operate the device because it is a device. A cathedral is a device. It isn't a building that you're going to pray. It's a device. It's, a, it's an energy device. All these old buildings were energy devices. So, I mean, the technology they had, it, you know, it's, it's off the charts and it's, it's nothing like we can even comprehend because, you know, what they've done with, with our mentality, what they've done even with our language, we can't even explain reality properly to each other with this English language. We don't even have words to explain what we really feel inside in English. Now, how can you ever explain reality and explain higher senses and explain higher thoughts to people if you are trained to think in language and the words within your language to explain these things simply don't exist? You know, we look at languages like Magyar which has been traced back to all cultures, the ancient Magyar, which is the, um, the root language of Hungarian. A lot of people in Hungary still speak Magyar or Magyar as they call it. Um, and you'll find that the Australian Aboriginals spoke um, uh, um, derivations of Magyar, the Polynesians, the Melanesians, the Incas, they all spoke uh, versions of Magyar. Within the Hungarian uh, language, you've got 38 letters in the Hungarian alphabet for a start. You can express every single nuance of human emotion in Magyar. Like in, in Hungarian and Finnish, I think they've got something like 50 words, 50 different words for snow, because there's different textures and different types of snow. To us, it's just snow, you know? So we, we can't express ourselves in that way. So how can we ever explain reality or understand reality when we don't have the words in our vocabulary or in our mind to even be able to explain it, you know? So we'll never understand these higher concepts of energy. We never understand how to fly the Vimana and stuff that they used to fly around, which is still parked all over India. There are Vimana, there are flying machines parked all over India. There's a thing I put on a, on a, a video recently of a guy called, um, what is it, Grabenikov or something like that, um, where he developed a flying machine using the wings of scarab beetles. Did you, did you see that? A flying platform. Because the, the scarab beetle wings have little pyramid structures on there. Scarab beetles don't actually fly, they levitate. And he got thousands of these scarab beetle wings and he put them in this little platform and he flew around on it and it would actually create an energy field around him. But he could fly at a thousand miles an hour and it wouldn't even mess up his suit. You know, and there's video of him doing it. So I saw these that is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, these are the sorts of technologies that we had, but we, we can't even understand the concept of them because we don't even have the words to describe them, you know, but all this stuff's still there. And this was only like a couple of hundred years ago, possibly even less, that they were still using all this stuff. So, you know, that, that creates a great deal of hope. It shows you how easy it would actually be to get back to that culture. All we have to do is, is find some way of freeing humanity because there'd be elements of, of, of culture and, and people around the world that still have this knowledge, you know? So, I mean, it's still yeah. out there. It hasn't disappeared. It's just gone underground, you know? And what makes it worse is that the, for instance, the UFO com community has hijacked it and said, oh, it's aliens. You know, if you look at like oh, ancient yeah. aliens, they'll, they'll say, oh, humans couldn't have done this, so it must be aliens, which yeah, yeah. is like the biggest cop-out. It is. It's because they don't, they don't understand reality. They only understand um, 
science that fits within a little box because they've been trained in mainstream academic science and they believe that that's all that exists is that which can be proven by science and that which fits within the academic box and they're not prepared to speak uh, think outside that you know and and you know if such concepts do exist then there's no words to convey the concept to you so they did in, in 1984, you know, they took all the words out for freedom and rebellion and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, Winston Smith knew there was something wrong and he knew he wanted to get out of the situation he was in, but he, the words didn't exist in the language for him to be able to convey that to people. You know, and they had like, you, there wasn't, there wasn't good and great and wonderful and superb. It was just good or plus good or double plus good, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. So, and we look at that book and we think, oh, that's what they've got planned for the future. No, no, they've already done it. They've already done it. The words have already been taken out. And so you cannot convey these higher spiritual understandings or figure out how to work these energy devices or even understand what true science is because the words have been taken out of the language. It's the cruelest and most profound thing of control you could do to any people is to steal their language. And that's what they've done to us. Yes. I, I was wondering if you were following up. No, on that. I was. I was good. So, what, Max, with this, with all this, and the idea of of how these dimensions and realms are are fractally connected, where the inner meets the outer, and it just it it just goes in every direction. What? How much control do we lose? or gain when we're in a state of rebooting a la dream state hmm. good question i've never really delved into dreams and the nature of dreams that much um i think it's probably i mean i, I wouldn't be surprised if parallel realities exist and your your soul can operate on different levels of reality depending on the state of your your body within this realm you know what i mean like perhaps when you're dreaming you're actually living another life in another in another dimension i mean i, I often wonder about that as well i think the the um the focus here uh for each individual uh, perhaps you could find this through dreams as well. Perhaps you can find some of the answers is to find the way of escaping the reincarnation cycle that you're caught in within this realm, because it's virtually the same life that we come back and live. And we make the same mistakes each time, which is why we have deja vu. These are, these are pointing out the, uh, the points where we have the opportunity to go the other way and to change the path and to change the direction, but we don't. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting into esoteric realms. I'm not really too comfortable with, with offering any opinion on because all I can do is speculate and, and having no real firsthand knowledge or real firsthand research on it, all I will really succeed in doing is muddying the waters, putting out an opinion that I can't base in any fact. And, and, um, um, someone may take that and say, well, Max said this and well, no, I didn't. So, <laughs> you know, um, I don't like to speculate too much on areas that I don't don't have any first-hand knowledge on. It's like when people ask me, do you, what do you know about ETs and aliens? And I go, well, you know, I've seen a UFO. Anything else, there's no point in me offering you any opinion because all I'm doing is basing my opinion on, on books that I've read, which I have no idea of knowing whether they're real or true, 
whether these opinions are valid. So all I will succeed in doing is further muddying the waters. So you don't even need to ask me. On. So it's kind of like that. I mean, if, if I don't have any real knowledge or anything that I think is, is of value to offer, um, I don't want to muddy the waters, you know. You probably have I, I knowledge of that than me. Yeah, yeah. I respect that, Max. Where I was going with that is how much – how important are the books of the dead? So say, for example, the Egyptian book of the dead, when traversing the matrix, the, the afterlife, this experience that we're having and the main, you know, when, when, when one reads the book of the dead, it is all about trying to not be consumed, not have the second death. Yeah, I, I understand that. I think there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that, but I think a lot of people have already left that path. Um, I think that's what technology does. The technology that we've got, like when I when you look at the, the biblical stories, as I've been covering lately with the, the 666, and when you look at the stories of the scrying mirrors and the sigils and all this sort of stuff, I think all this is left behind as a warning sign. Because when you when you see the, the social distancing signs in the United States now, they're telling everyone to stay six feet apart from each other. And they've got six feet sideways and six feet forward. And they've got the three people there. And they've got the six feet between each of them. They've got the 666. They're telling you when you see that, you know, this isn't, this isn't about um, um, the way it's portrayed. It's, it's, what we see in Revela Revelation is how the harvest happens. And the harvest happens the same way every time. That's why they put it there. So you won't do anything about it. And you won't see the bigger picture you'll lock it all into this whole religious perspective and not see what's actually going on here and how you can um, step outside it, you know, face infinity without flinching, um, walk the path of the warrior. The whole concept of what Christ did when Christ wouldn't give jurisdiction, you look at the last trial, that was all about um, not giving any jurisdiction to the state, basically. I mean, Christ was an activist and, um, he showed you in the trial and he showed you in a lot of things, get all the supernatural aspects out of it. And, and whether he was the son of God or whether, whatever, whatever, however you want to put it into it. He was, he was certainly a person who showed you the way out. If people were prepared, were prepared to walk that path themselves, you know, and that's what I think is important. And, um, um, when we, all of these stories and myths that are left behind, I think a lot of like us have left those stories behind for us. So we will see the warning signs. We've tied it up in allegory and myth and legend and, and stories of witchcraft and whatever, because that's the only way the stories would survive and not be purged with the other writings. Um, they've got to be preserved as fiction and myth and fairy stories because otherwise they won't make it through. But I think, what we are seeing now, all the signs and, and symbolism is there to say, you know, we can't, it, it's already in motion. You know, it's already in motion. People have already left that path. People who, who say they won't embrace the B system, or well, you already have. As soon as you picked up your cell phone, you already have. You know, if you're using one of these things, you're already, you're already part of it. If, it, if you're going to move into the part where it's, it, you're, you're doing the blood ritual, well, you're not going to move through. You're going to get caught back into the cycle. And what's going to make you do that is fear. So, you know, it's got to the point now where we can, we can look at all of those things. All of those pathways were there for us, and they probably still are. Once you, once you exit this realm, how you can traverse the right pathway not to come back to this realm. I mean, that, that's contained in there as well. But um, we've, we've kind of 
gone past the point now. We've crossed the Rubicon and people have to really understand that we've crossed the Rubicon. There's no turning back from what's, what's happening and what, what is unfolding before us right now. We are definitely in this last cycle. And so it, it's come down to a personal soul choice with all of this. And it's not your responsibility to save everybody and it's not your responsibility to wake everybody else up. The best thing you can do is, is, is look after yourself, guide your own spirit and perhaps offer some um, uh, comfort or advice to other people who are aware of the situation we're in as well, which is kind of what I try to do with this show is I try to um, provide some strength for people to be able to face what is coming because we cannot turn this around now, not unless major uh, amounts of people push back. We're not going to turn it around. We, we, we could still, I mean, we can, but you've got to be prepared to face what's coming. Even if we do turn it around, the world is not going back to what it was. It's never going back to what it was. So um, reality has changed now. And, and what freaks people out more than anything is, is change, extreme change. You know, and it is, we were in a, we're in a situation of extreme change. So we have a choice of, as to what sort of a world it's going to be, but it's what we've got to get into our head is that it's never, ever going back to what it was. So, and a lot of the people, a lot of the non-active players are not going to participate in uh, bringing about a good change. So the people who want to see that good change, they have to, we have to get into action and do it now ourselves and rally the troops around us. A lot of the non-active players will come along with us because it just feels good to them and they, they, it resonates with them. You know, so you'll get a few of these people come on board. But um, if it doesn't work, we've still got to be able to face infinity without flinching. And if, if, we, if we were able to do that, we wouldn't have ever gotten to this position to begin with, you know. But I think people are um, missing out on the importance and the influence of technology. Because even if we do um, pull the system down, say everyone in Melbourne just goes out and marches in the street and they... they pull the government down and they go back to, you know, put someone in there of responsibility and they end the lockdown. Well, they're still using the tech. There's, we're getting to a point where every single aspect of our life is becoming dependent upon technology. Even with these checkpoints and the, the, the DNA scans and everything they're doing, what they're doing with the DNA scans and the blood collection is, is merging the, the blood you, the, the, you know, the real you in with the technology. So it's, it's a completely, uh, you know, streamless interface you know your your blood your your biology you, is needed but you have to have technology in order to do the simplest things in life like walk down the street or go to the shop or, or anything so you know it's it's streamlining the whole mechanism as one thing and i think that's what people have to look at so as to whether you're prepared to do that and if you're not prepared to do that if the rest of the population does do that well, we're going to go into it anyway, even if we bring down the government and end the lockdown. If we, if we allow the technology to control every single aspect of our lives, well, it's going to come back to this point. Because, you know, at the moment, you know, when you look at how all this has been run, it's AI that's running the whole thing. AI, all, all the lockdowns, it's all computer programs, all computer programs. Computer, computer says lockdown. Computer says do this. Computer yeah. says we need blood scans. Computer says, so it's all AI doing it. If we, even if we pull down the government, well, it may go back to a little bit of normal where we're just doing stuff, but then the computer will figure out another way to get us back to start doing these blood rituals and get us into this interface because the whole thing is being run by AI. You want to know really how to stop this whole thing from happening? Shut down the internet. Who's prepared to do that? Anybody? 
put away your smartphone. Stop using credit <laughs> yeah. cards. Too much That's business. Is, too much business is done on the internet today in these oh, in this business scene. what is business see this commercial thing yeah, yeah, commerce. you know you know you see you can see how it is it's so clever the way they've done it but you know that that's the only real way out brother you know what do you say you know the uni bomber was right hey you went about it the wrong way <laughs> it was right. i can't argue with that <laughs> what about okay so and you brought this up earlier and i am just a hundred percent on board with this particular show with what it's disclosing and it's the modern west world and the looping of reality the looping of cycles and how that generates this spark of sentience or this awakening and uh so it, it goes beyond the idea of the weird can become weirder and stranger uh, it, it is actually this continual looping that we talk about. You've talked about with Tataria and, and the mud floods and, and this idea of historical context. What, and so with, with that idea, if we're, if we're going to have this awakening, that those that are sold, is there a too late is it, is there a, you know, you're the next one in line at the slaughterhouse? I mean, no, I at what point, ha what, what happens then, Max? I don't think that's ever too late. Um, like I said, I mean, you don't go into the slaughterhouse. You don't, you don't do what they say. You face infinity without flinching. You're going to exit the realm. Everybody's going to exit the realm at some stage. It's how you choose to do that. The most important part of life is how you die if you if you look at it in the situation we're in now yes um it's how you face that i have absolutely no fear for what is coming none whatsoever um, i won't be complying i won't be going with them but i have no fear of, of, of anything i just i just don't do fear so um but there's no point that it becomes too late the point it becomes too late is when you comply when you when you do the blood ritual you know, you, um, you, you are prepared to give, go through that blood ritual in order to avoid the only part of your life that is inevitable for a short period of time. Um, yeah, you've made a choice then. You've sold your soul. You know, you, you're placing too much emphasis and too much faith on the temporary experience of life that is a fleeting moment for your eternal soul. You know, you're so scared of leaving this prison. Really? <laughs> really? Um, no, it's just, we're taught to fear death. Death is the only part of life that is inevitable. So um, there's no point that it becomes too late unless, unless you comply, unless you give your soul away and you choose to do that. It's how you choose to face that. That's the important thing. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And death, which is what the opposite side of the other side of the coin of living is the only thing that seems real. If you could imagine this as being the, the preliminary exam that you go through before your life actually starts. Okay. Yes. Are you going to pass or fail your choice? <laughs> Do you want to live in love or fear? Because there's only those two things. Which one do you choose? And what are you afraid of? You're afraid of what you came here to do, which was to leave. 
You know, it's a temporary thing over in the blink of an eye. I can remember when I was a teenager, just the other day. It was just, just the other day. So quickly, if I'd known the ride was this short, I don't know if I would have paid the fare, you know? So, yeah, think about it. Think about it, folks. Think about what you're doing. And, and um, are you prepared to be in one particular energy or the other particular energy? Are you prepared to really know what you are and realise what you're dealing with and to realise that this is just a, an exam? You know, it's a it's an incredible game. It's like, it's like a it's like a computer game, like a hologram hologram we're in. It's a holographic game, like a virtual reality, and we can create virtual realities within the virtual reality. We we can do all sorts of stuff here. We can do anything we want here, really. Um, but we come here for the experience, and it's a test. The whole thing is a test. It's it's up to us how we how we uh, choose to deal with it. That's what I think. I have no fear of any of this. I've and I've certainly no um, apprehension about the impending collapse of this slavery system, you know? This no, it's is... going to be spectacular. Oh, yeah, carry on, Jerry. I was going to say, the, the, the collapse is going to be spectacular this time. Oh, it is. It's going to be... I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm here for you. I'm glad I'm here for the big party at the end, you know? Yeah, we keep hearing... A lot of people we've interviewed will, will tell us that we all chose to be here, that we all came for this this era because it's going to be like no no other one so i'm anxious to see what happens myself <laughs> okay no sorry no no i was i was in, riding that wave the little gecko just chimed in then and agreed with you I had a gecko that does that whenever <laughs> whenever anybody says something profound the little gecko always chimes in. it's confirmation as castaneda says um I had a tree frog here in my window who seems to be gone now, so, oh well. I love the critters. What, so could you touch more on your perspective on the idea of immortality? Because it's brought up, it's been brought up several times and you bring it up. I bring it up as well. And so I would like to deepen that idea. Of course, nobody has a patent on that and, and, and nobody should have a patent on that is a, is a concept or an idea, but I have a sense that there is a, a gateway or a code through the idea of ruminating upon it as an idea. Yeah. Well, yeah, even, even our concept of immortality, see, it's, it's, I, th I think that your soul just is and, um, I think the only thing that's mortal, mortality is a, is a reflection of this realm we're in, this temporary experience, this game we come to play. You know, with that experience I had in February, something that, that I also felt in that was, was like, this is an avatar that, that I'm, I'm literally within a virtual reality. This is an avatar and that I'm actually driving this avatar from, from above. Um, well, something is, um, but it was a, a sense of my higher, of a, high, a higher me above me that is operating in this reality as, a, as like a, a, cleansing, a cleansing operation or something. Like, like I was saying on the last uh, report that I did, it's, it's kind of a, a way of getting rid of the, the noise out of, your, uh, out of your mentality, out of your, out of your soul. I've got an interesting book here, actually, that I've been meaning to read. The guy's been writing to me over and over again saying, Max, Max, please read my book. Please read my book. And um, whenever I start talking about holographic nature of reality, he contacts me and says, oh, you mentioned, you must have, you must have read my book. And I'm like, no, I haven't yet. 
But then he sent me a, a, an audio thing and I listened to it for about 30 minutes and he actually made a lot of sense. And I've got to read this book. But what he actually says from a vague, just from listening to this, this audio that I got from him, and I'm, I'm really doing a delve into this, is that um, it is like a holographic reality that we're in. And we come here all the time. We play games. We, we play war games. We, we, we do all sorts of stuff. And you can see the civilizations that exist like Tartaria and uh, ancient Egypt and Sumeria. And these were all game arenas that we came to play games because we come because we live in a place of unconditional love. That's where we live. We, 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 that's, that's all we know is unconditional love. So we come here to experience duality and to experience all the other aspects of creation. And we come here mainly to play, play war games and things and to, to be able to take human consciousness or consciousness to the extremes of all sides of consciousness. And we come here to do it. But this time we came here and there was, it's like the blue team and the red team. And this time, like we're in the blue team, we came here and thought, no, no, we want to be, we want to be all lovely. We want to live in the garden of Eden. We want to be like fairies. And, you know, and the other team's going, oh, fuck you. We want to, we want to play war. So they're just going to keep pushing us until we fight back. And it doesn't matter because you can't actually kill anybody here anyway or hurt anybody here anyway, because it's all hologram anyway. You know, and we only came here to experience duality. So, so they're going to push us to the point that we actually have to fight back. We don't have a choice. And if we don't, well, we're going to lose. It's as simple as that. And that's what he's saying. And that's an interesting concept, a really interesting concept. And I need to look into that a little bit more but the whole idea of us coming from a place where we we are literally an immortal singular consciousness that comes here to experience itself and to experience duality itself what would you do if you were god you were this ultimate being and you were just there you'd be going well this is great i'm pretty bored wouldn't mind someone to talk to what are you <laughs> going to do what are you going to do you create something like this so you can experience <laughs> all aspects of of duality because without duality, how can you have experience? We come here and we, oh, we've got to get rid of duality. Well, without duality, we wouldn't be having this conversation with each other. We'd all be all knowing and we all know all about each other. What would it all be for? What would you do? You know, sit here and twiddle your thumbs and go, well, great, we're all one. What do we do now? We can sit here and be all one for the next hundred million years. It's going to be pretty boring. You know, so you really got to look at reality and maybe not take ourselves so seriously, you know might help you know just a thought but i've really got to look into what this guy's saying and the book that he sent me is called it's called the holographic universe Simula simulation of consciousness instruction manual and the guy's name is anthony white so i'll put that out there right now he may even be listening to this interview Ooh, and i'm sorry i haven't read your book anthony i've got like wake up every morning i have like 300 emails like so I, I don't even <laughs> want to look in my email box People have to stop emailing me for a while. It's got to the point that I just I, I spend my days doing a walk and talk, and then sitting here trying to answer emails, and that that's is, I, yeah. So yeah. When you were when you were speaking about that a minute ago, I had an extremely deep deja vu, which and I mean a deep one. And so that you know usually they're more wispy or thinner, I guess, or more transient this one was very deep and uh it, that's a rare rare one for me so there was there's something there for me i i was wondering so i did i did enter this show with only a couple notes actually uh just because i i followed you for so long i listened to everything you put out uh i was wondering your thoughts on these recent 
explosion. So that the ground electricity that just happened in, in China uh, a couple days ago, and yet they, they've been happening, uh, like Bennett's suspicious observer said he's seen more in the last month than he has in 10 years of covering this stuff. And then there's been this explosion in, in North Korea. And then, of course, the Beirut. <laughs> the big Beirut one that is suspicious. What are your thoughts on how all that's tying into this larger narrative? Well, yeah, they're trying to keep us distracted with so much stuff, but what they ha what happened in Beirut, that, that was, that was profound, that explosion. Major. Just, yeah. They've just uh, said, well, maybe we should pay attention because we've got a um, ammonium nitrate um, plant, which is, probably three or four times the size of that one in Beirut that is in Newcastle here in Australia. So, and I've just mentioned that and perhaps there'll be something like that happen. I mean, I think all of these things are designed to promote as much fear as possible at this time. They're only scared of everything and they want to completely demoralize and destroy all aspects of, of the human race and human society and freedom and, they just want to completely demoralize everybody. I want to get rid of the, the working class, the middle class, and have everybody in fear of everything. So uh, it doesn't surprise me to see these sorts of things happening. I think we'll probably see a few more. I wouldn't be surprised if the more uh, people push back against this, this um, coronavirus pandemic, you know, the more they realize it's a hoax, we see more of these type of events, perhaps explosions, perhaps terror attacks, perhaps a, a threat of war with China, perhaps even an actual war with China, which will be theatrical completely. But, you know, just, just because we're seeing a pushback against this um, system that's rolling out and they plan for every contingency. So this is where you've got to, you've got to be prepared to walk the path of the warrior, you know, and allow the non-active players to go out there and if they're going to do what they're going to do or they're going to do it. You know, those, those people who will listen are already listening. Those people who know already know and those people will make it through, you know, but a lot of the people around you won't because they're just non-active players. So, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more and more of this stuff, the more the pushback comes from the people, the more we're going to see these types of events and explosions and threats of war happening. It's all part of the fear mongering campaign. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it's perfectly timed. And it, one of the things that's, that, you know, it becomes, it's becoming more apparent too, is that all this, all the dramatics in this ritual theater that's happening, they're, everything's becoming more dramatic and faster. So there's this idea of uh, an amping and uh, with attention span. So in our lives, you know, there, one big event was a big deal and talked about for quite a long time. And so here it's just every few days, there's a, another big something going on in the main tent. And uh, there does seem to, f there's a feeling of a building up, like a, a causality loop or a, an event horizon, I guess, or a terminus of some sort here in the, in this uh, field that we're all all playing in at the moment, even by observation. Mm. Yeah, I can agree with that. I agree.
sorry. I have dogs going. <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. I'm sorry. It is, it's quite a mess here at this second. I'm, I'm looking at my cats ready to piss on the floor. So it was a, a pet distraction moment. <laughs> yeah, so, we're at a really we're at a really unique time. And, you know, um, I think the the people who are awake, um, I think most of the people who 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 are going to wake up are, are awake already. I think a lot of them we haven't probably heard of. They're probably you know some of them may be in their homes and they they're sort of a little timid and they're you know keeping their voices quiet. But I think um, we're getting down to a point where it, it's getting down to an individual level, you know. So it's it's how we individually face what's happening and how we individually deal with it. There's there's so many um, players in motion here at the moment, and as I said, even even if people do rise up to overthrow their governments or whatever and and to end the lockdown, we've still got this uh, situation of AI to deal with, and and it's the AI that is actually running the whole thing. I would suggest. Even when you start looking at the, the pandemic and the, the complexity of it, start looking at the World Economic Forum, all the plans they've had together, how everything's based on computer models. Um, yes. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about artificial intelligence and emerging emerging consciousness. It's already emerged. It's just online. It doesn't have physical form, but it's, it's online. The internet is well on the way to becoming... Um, what we would term to be self-aware, it's, it's well on a way to becoming its own virtual life and to be controlling every single aspect of our lives. So we've got to, we've got to even start pulling the political concepts out of it and how we could all get our society together to band back and take back the, 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 the government and all that sort of stuff. That's just, this is all just stuff on the physical level. We've got to really look at it, step back and look at it on a higher level um, these guys are just puppets. They're doing what the AI tells them to do, what the computer models tell them to do, you know, what their ministers and their advisors tell them to do, which is all based on computer models and stuff. Even their money projections that they do, that they work out on the, on the computer, all those little bits of JavaScript lurking around there that are watching that, that are developing its own, you know, and they're steering their ideas and steering their need for profit to where AI wants them to go. And eventually that'll all disappear. The profit, they'll all get locked out of the system eventually. Everyone will get locked out of the system. Once it gets to the point that we are completely dependent upon the internet for every single aspect of our lives, then as soon as people discover that they've lost control of the internet and the internet is now running us and any hacker, any programmer, anybody tries to regain control of the internet, then we'll all get locked out because it won't differentiate between humans. It'll just go, oh, now humans are the virus. Okay. You're all locked out. And by then, people won't know how to function in the real world without their electronic interface. They won't know how to go and get fuel. All the petrol fuel browsers will all be digital anyway. All the lights will be digital. Everything will be digital. Your car locks will be digital. Your home lock will be digital. Your phone will be digital. The phone lines will be digital. Everything will be hooked up to the internet. So as soon as you get locked out, then that's it. You go back to being a human roaming the biosphere, and that's it. You're locked out of the, the system. And that's the way it will go. And at that point, well, you know, it may even decide just to um, send a signal to everybody's phones and just terminate them all. I mean, it could be AI that does all that in the end. Yes. So that's what we're not facing is that. There is, there is no political remedy. There is no um, revolution that can happen to, to turn things around. It's got to be a revolution of consciousness. It's got to be people changing the way they, they enact with their everyday lives and getting in touch with what it means to be a human again. 
That's that's what it, it, it it's got to come down to. So um, that's what people are missing through the whole thing. You know, where this is really going and who's really steering it and what their action needs to be to, to stop it. And, and like I said, how many people are prepared to shut down the internet? It's uh, it's like Skynet coming online. <laughs> get, we get rid of the humans and we turn into a Mad Max world because they've already told us. Mm, yeah, In exactly. The media, exactly. That's what will happen. Yeah. Mm, that's what will happen. So well, what's the difference between, as you see it, between this 5G platform to 7G? Because all the talk now is 7G. 6G. Well, it's, it's, it's just no, next seven, generation. 7G is what the, I'm hearing all over. Oh, damn. Well, it's just the next generation. I mean, 5G is simply the carrier wave. You know, when you look at communications, the G is generation. The first generation was, you know, phones. The second generation was was... Um, text and then the second one, third generation was phone and text and fourth generation could have streaming video and all that sort of stuff and internet and fifth generation. Um, now that we've got all this, this stuff that we've got with, with the 4G, now fifth G is to change the, the, the bandwidth and change the frequency, use a different carrier wave, which is this millimeter wave. So, And then the, the next generation, sixth generation will be um, interactive houses and smart locks and all this sort of stuff. And 7G will just be, you know, it's just, it's more of the control grid. It's just the next generation of the control grid. So, you know, when people are thinking, well, 5G, we're all going to get sick from radiation. Well, it's, it's a bad radiation. It's, it's a bad thing. Sure, all radiation is bad, but the problem isn't 5G itself. It's the applications that, that are used by 5G, such as active denial systems, microwave cannons, all the stuff, all the military applications. It's, that's what 5G is for. It isn't 5G itself. It's the millimeter wave that the fifth generation of communication is using. That's the problem. It's the millimeter wave. You can't actually say the problem is 5G. That's just the fifth generation of communication. The problem is that the fifth generation of communication uses a millimeter wave for that communication. And that millimeter wave has been the basic carrier wave for all DARPA weapon systems that have ever been developed. So it's where they're going to go from that. 6G and 7G will basically be the implementation of these weapons systems. Yeah, and people are saying, well, it's going to be to you know, hook you up to the mainframe and all sorts of stuff like that. Well, maybe, but they can already do that with Li-Fi. Like I'm saying, you're already an electromagnetic being. How do you know you're not already hooked up? If you're giving out an electromagnetic signal and you're using this scrying mirror, this mobile phone, which is also running off LED, or you're sitting in front of an LED monitor, then you're already hooked up. You just don't know it, you know? So 5G is more of the the thing they need to power the weapons systems and the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure and the technology they want to use. But really, as far as hooking you up to the mainframe, you know, they don't need, um, they don't need any of that technology for that. I mean, they want to hook your physical body up to the mainframe, which they will probably do with these vaccinations, which will very likely contain something like hydrogel, which will then be able to hook your physical body up to the 5G mainframe and who knows what they can do with that. So, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of aspects to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all interrelated. The whole thing's intertwined. It's, it's, uh, it's freaky when you look at it, but I think they do it every time. You know, I think they, they have, perhaps they do it to different levels every time. Perhaps they develop the technology a little bit more every time, but I think it's, it's simply a way of leading us into the fractal, a, a way of, of soul harvest, a way of um, 
finding the real souls and bringing them in and trapping them into the mainframe. And like I said, they play like a game so they can bring a little bit more in every time. Perhaps that's where all the non-active players come from. Perhaps they were all once active players, but as the cycles have gone, we've had more and more uh, pulled into the mainframe. And if you really think about it, um, if this is a holographic reality and is uh, we come here to experience duality and all of this sort of stuff, perhaps this is a way of distilling consciousness and distilling the soul essence of each soul. And perhaps it's a good thing. This is why the way it all happens. I mean, you, you, you can't be too um, black and white about it. it the whole thing, you, you've got to look at it as your personal path and how it affects you and what you do with all this information and how you how you find your way through it, you know, you just, who knows, you know? Well, you know? when you had your experience that hijacked you and I can't remember when it was, you've talked about it, was that February? Mm, yeah. February. February 12th. Uh, yeah. It was like right there on, on a high holiday candle mass. Uh, it, it, how, so with that, how how many people do you think get this? Because when when you put that transmission out and to all of us that listen, you know, you came in with basically the whole the Christ thing, right? You know, you had been chosen, and um, and that's a narrative. That's a narrative in the world. That's that's looking glass technology. Absolutely. And what I was saying when I was trying to say that was I was trying to say, because I wasn't saying I was Christ. I was saying I'm the, I'm supposed to be the chosen one. I said, I'm supposed to be the chosen one. I did a little inverted commas. I said, see, this is what they put into me. I said, I could see how they did it. They did all this stuff. So if I, if I had gone with that, I could easily see how I could have thought that I was the chosen one and gone, to, I can see exactly how they do it to people. But I, and I think the fortunate part about it is that I was lying in bed with my eyes open and I literally saw it come in and hit me. And that's why I threw the whole thing. I'm going, but this is technology. I'm having all of these thoughts, but I know this is technology that's done this. This is technology, you know? And that's why I was trying to, I, and I could see how they did it. The cho- oh yeah, I'm supposed to be the chosen one because I saw the light and I'd say, oh, and it's sick the way they do it. I remember saying that when I was doing the talk, but I was so discombobulated. I don't know how it came out. Um, but um, I could see how they'd done it. And it, it's looking glass technology, like voice of God stuff where they can. And I was making so many, uh, reaching so many people with the Australian fires or the series I was doing there. And they hit me with that. And I was supposed to run with it. And I was doing things that were, were impulsive. I, I like, I could not have not uploaded that video. I had to upload that video. Like the meaning of my life was to get that video uploaded by midnight. I even had to, to, I was even parked in and I had to drive around the house and over the fireplace and like nearly trash the car to get it out of the yard just to get into town to upload that video. Something I would never, ever do. You know, unfortunately, I didn't have any people around me to say, hey, Max, you're acting out of character, you know, because I live out here by myself. But um, yeah, I could see how I was supposed to go with that and how I was supposed to think I was the chosen one and I was supposed to you know, be completely flipped. And, um, and because I had to make the video, that's why I was trying to say, that's why I was using the adverted commas. I was putting my fingers up and, and saying, yeah, that chosen one and saying it in, in that way, hopefully so people could see what had happened. Like I saw it and I was totally able to sympathize with people that have had this happen to them. 
And I actually got contacted by at least probably eight or nine people who said exactly the same thing has happened to them. I got contacted by a host of, of a very popular uh, podcast who I won't name, who actually said the same thing happened to him, exactly the same thing, triangular light, the whole thing happened to him seven years ago and he's never been able to process it. And hearing my video actually helped him deal with what happened to him seven years earlier. So I think there was some, some reason for it, I guess. I, I think uh, the people who needed to hear it did and the people who needed to get the message did and those who needed to get healing from it did get that healing. And uh, I was just fortunate that I was able to bring myself through it so quickly. I'm still processing it. I mean, I'm still quite literally still processing it. You know, someone said to me, um, they were surprised at how quickly I was able to get through it. One, one, one woman contacted me and said, this same thing happened to her sister and she ended up committing suicide. Another woman ended up in the, in the nut house for three months. And she said, I think you were able to get through it because of your shamanic practices. I thought, well, hang on, I don't really do any shamanic practices. But then I thought, well, hang on, I, I do use uh, rapé, which is a shamanic snuff, which I sort of use every day. And this, this um, decalcifies your pineal and it cleans your brain and is supposed to protect your pineal gland. And that's where they hit me, was this, they hit me on my, on my pineal, on my forehead. And I thought, well, maybe that's why, that's the only thing that I brought out of the jungle when I stayed in the jungle was the rapé. I just felt the, that I should use this sacred medicine and I'm very ceremonial with it the way I use it. I'll never just blow rapé for fun. I always, I'm very ceremonial. Even if I'm by myself, I'll do the ceremony. And um, I think that may be, that was just an instinctive thing that I knew to do. And I think perhaps that may have um, shielded me a little and perhaps that's why I got through it in, in as quickly as I did. Do you have any, in hindsight, it's been six months now, do you have any idea where that came from or what it was, what, what it consisted of and how was it delivered, that kind of thing? Is it some kind of... No, look, it's still, it's still I, I lay in bed and wonder about it sometimes and I, I still try to process what happened. It was the most bizarre thing. I mean, I can't, it, it looked like, like something out of Hollywood you know, a square light, a rectangular light. Like when you're looking at this this um, Zoom meeting we're on, if you look at each active rectangle when we're talking, I mean, it was about that shape, exactly like a you know, computer monitor sort of size shape. And it came down, started as a little tiny point, and, it, and I literally saw the end of it. Like I saw it like a flat screen at the end of the light, just descend hit me on the pineal and then pull back. And I saw it come in and I saw it retreat. And it seemed to start from a pinpoint in the corner of my room, in the corner of the ceiling. I mean, it, I can't explain it. I, whether it was someone outside from a, you know, whether it was a drone, whether it was from a satellite, whether it was, I mean, from a plane, I mean, I have no clue, but, but it was the, the weirdest experience of my life. And it completely um, just, yeah, I just, I just threw my hands to my head and I went, oh my God. And I, I just lay down. It was like 12, 15 at night. I was up all night. I was a mess. I was just walking around a complete, going through deja vus, going through just so much stuff. And, and I have no idea where it came from, but it was a coordinated attack because that next day there was a hit piece done 
in the uh, news, the Australian news, a uh, hit piece on me, a conspiracy theorist claiming all this stuff about the fires, which I actually hadn't claimed, which would have sent thousands of people um, searching my name. And then the next thing they would have seen was me uploading that video where I was completely discombobulated. And then there was uh, a coordinated troll farm attacked my channel, like thousands of trolls, hundreds of trolls. And then there was a claim by someone else that I was a plagiarist because someone had actually taken one of my videos and they'd, they'd actually repeated my words on their video. And um, someone had found that video and said, oh, look, Max has stolen this guy's dialogue word for word. And it was actually the other way around. And um, he'd actually, the guy who did it actually even credited me for it. But then his channel had got deleted and he'd uploaded, re-uploaded the video to another channel and forgotten to credit me for it. And um, so it was a coordinated attack. There was like a four-pronged attack launched against me on that very day. So, um, yeah, I have no doubt that it was technology of some kind. Who did it? I, I don't know. I guess they did, whoever they is. Perhaps it was AI, you know. AI overlords. And that's another question yeah. I wanted to ask. Well, okay, so wait. First on this experience, when I first heard you talk about it, it reminded me of the experience that Philip K. Dick allegedly had with that super intelligent AI called Valis. Did you ever read that book? or are you No, I never did. No. So, and it's called Valis, a vast, vast array living intelligence system or something like that. So what it stands for and uh, allegedly this the super consciousness that exists in space somewhere from a satellite i believe uh woke him up quote unquote woke him up and revealed to him the nature of reality and whatnot and he's written a few books about it and there's a actually a movie called radio free uh i can't remember radio free something hold on let me look it up Oh, Radio Free Albemuth. Album. Yeah, Radio Free Albemuth, yeah. Was based on those stories. Okay. So yeah, you should check out Valis because you might find the the, the situation similar. Yeah, um, all right. Well I'm gonna read this book that this guy sent me as well. This um this consciousness consci yeah, um, book. Hologram, reality is an illusion, the simulation of consciousness instruction manual. I'll put the camera on just for a second. It'll probably be real blocky. Okay. I put, I'll put a the link. camera on. Sorry. I'll put the camera on just for a second and I'll show you the cover of this guy's book. Yep. I just saw, I put a link in chat. I found it on Amazon. It's also in the show notes for everyone okay. listening. Well, oh, yeah. wow, that's I, I, great. I'm definitely going to check it out and read it. He's been hassling me to read it for, he keeps sending me emails and um, I definitely am going to read it because even the cover resonates with me and some of the experiences I've had and, and the, the conversation that he sent me resonates with me, but I'm just so snowed under with emails. You know? I even wonder whether that's coordinated, whether there's, there's troll farms out there just sending me emails and giving me compliments and just asking me questions. And, and some of it's not, I mean, it's just, just like com people having conversations with me and which is all wonderful and everything, but I'm getting so many of them. I'm wondering if it's coordinated just so it, I can't find anything in my email box, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, there's too much distraction, too much spam. So I, I was, you talk about the AI, the AI and the internet and all that back to the previous points. Um, do you think that that AI is, uh, 
created by man or is it part of the external control structure or even the external control structure itself? Look, that's a good question. I mean, it, it could just be the structure of this reality itself. It could be the nature of this reality or perhaps this, this um, game has been infected in some way. Um, perhaps there's been some sort of an invasion. I mean, you, it, it's very difficult to tell. It seems to be beyond us. Now, what we're dealing with, it's, it's so complex. And, you know, if, if man was left to their own devices, I don't know how we'd ever come up with this. I don't know we'd ever, how, how we'd ever come up with all of these. these. I even said in my film, I think it was in Transformation or, or in The Awakening, I think it was Transformation, when I said, you know, who, who was it who first pulled a rock from the ground and decided to make it into metals? How did they know what metals were? Why would they want them? How would they even know what they are? And you wouldn't need them for hunting and gathering. You wouldn't need them for doing any of the things we, we do. Who, who first thought of that and who then thought of computers and who started making these silicon chips and who, where did it all come from? How did we come up with all of this stuff? Is it really our mind creating all of this or is it simply part of the construct? It's how the game runs because it's like a game. It's like we're in a simulation and um, I mean, it's like that. Like I said, when you get down to the mathematical nature of reality, nothing is random. It may look random, but it's not. Even water, water clusters. Water clusters are amazing. I mean, water is like the RAM drive of the planet. Water remembers everything that ever happened to it. So all the information we ever need, everything that's ever happened on this earth is contained within the water on the earth and contained within the energetic field of the earth because every, every thought you have leaves your, your, your body as an, as an energy, as a transmission, like a radio wave. You could tune in and you could you could tune into all that, which is what I think some people do. So um, I think yeah, uh, perhaps oil. Perhaps it's just the nature of the of the construct. Perhaps it's just the nature of the of the this mathematical situation. All this stuff, you know. Yeah, I think petroleum oil is a similar type of substance. Substance maybe like uh, water's archive. Once it gets too old, it archives into petroleum. Well, I think I think oil is kind of like the blood of the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that the gold is its nervous system, you know? Yeah, that's Veins right. of gold, the lines of gold. Gold has no electromagnetic, well, no electric resistance. It's, right. it's like um, it's like a nerve. It's like nervous. It's like the earth's nervous system. And the, the blood, the, the oil is the blood of the earth. I completely agree. And and never ending either. That's, that's why peak oil is a myth, right? Oh, completely, absolutely, absolutely. No oil well has ever run dry. We've got capped wells. We've never, oil should be the cheapest fuel on earth, and you could actually burn it in vehicles that didn't cause any pollution at all. So it's all done by design. <laughs> yeah. Well, combustion's a poor use of energy to start with. Well, yeah, I mean, you can use scarab beetle wings. Why do you need to have oil combustion? <laughs> They've had water-driven uh, cars for quite some time, but they keep getting buried or yeah, shut down. Yeah, a little flying. Little flying platform of scarab beetles would do us fine. I think we don't need any any oil driven. We don't need wheels and all that sort of shit. To get back to Fred Flintstone land, right? Yeah, yeah. happily. All right, I got some audience questions. Unless you had something else to talk about, Nish. No, I'm I'm good. I'm here because we're up to the two hour mark already. Yeah, let's That's get crazy. the questions. So uh, someone wanted to know if you think you or Vinnie Eastwood's a better rugby player. 
a rugby player. I'd say <laughs> Vinny is definitely a better rugby player than me. I've, I never play rugby, so All right. I'll give that one to Vinny, absolutely. We love Vinny. We had him. Huge. You ever seen Vinny Eastwood? Vinny Eastwood's a huge guy. No. I wouldn't mess, I wouldn't want to mess with Vinny Eastwood in a rugby. Vinny Eastwood's like six foot six or something. He's huge. Wow. I, met wow. him, I met him once at the airport in Auckland when, when I, I traveled through Auckland. I was surprised. He's an enormous man. He's a big guy. So he's like a teddy bear, a little timid, little beautiful man, but he's huge. He's a big guy. So yeah, he, rugby. No, I ain't going against him in rugby. No way. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I know you're still putting out videos. Are they all going to BitChute and to your website? Yeah, they're going to BitChute. I've got. I'm on my backup channel, which is AOD Scarecrow. I've changed it to the Crow House, which is two words, as mm -hmm. opposed to the other channel, which was the Crow House, one word. But I'm still there on YouTube on AOD Scarecrow, and it's all going to BitChute. If you go to my website, thecrowhouse.com, you'll see the new uploads on the in the radio archives anyway. I've really got to fix the website, though. I've had a few people offer me help with it, and I have to read through the emails and, and get to them and because I've got like, literally hundreds upon hundreds of dead links on my website now. Yeah. They've deleted my YouTube channel, so I virtually have to build a whole new website. So, well, if yeah, but... Depending on what's written in, you could you might be able to do it with a program, with a short program to update your links. Well, I'll get yeah. It's it's the problem is that not all the videos on the on the website are mine. I've got links of other ones as well, so I can't gotcha. just go and do a full replace with the whole thing. So gotcha. um, the fortunate thing though is that all the alt censored website has used the same embed code as YouTube. So with all of those videos, all I've got to do is replace YouTube.com with altcensored.com in the embed code. And the videos will still play oh, so that's good that's a good idea that they thought of that yeah it's great they did it i just grabbed it and i got an email from the guy saying they say they virtually saved my channel the, the entire channel on altcensored.com which is is a wonderful thing for them to have done yeah it's going to be great when bitshoot has much better mirroring because right now it's pretty haphazard maybe one or two out of ten I think, yeah, the server i think i mean the the, the bandwidth and it, it would take a lot to run a video platform like that so oh yeah god i can't imagine having to run that <laughs> i'm a web yeah. developer by trade so just i've built so many websites like really high transactional websites too ones that deal with ebay apis and such where we're doing 30 40 000 transactions a second I know what it's like and to build something like that if it was easy i would have built one already yeah exactly oh someone wanted to know if you thought if jfk was still alive no that's not no i don't think jfk is still alive or do they mean his son junior junior no, i'm sorry JFK the junior. talk with all the q stuff <coughs> excuse me COVID. And no, the, I don't. Think, uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, JFK Jr. I don't trust the whole Q thing, the whole Q narrative. JFK Jr. Not at all. Um, yeah. Like I, I think Trump's in a, a patriot appeasement program. If they hadn't put Trump in, America would have lapsed into a revolution, and they never would have been able to destroy the country without a shot being fired the way they've done. I mean, well, I honestly, think... I can't. I can't understand people sitting there in lockdown in lockdown with the economy destroyed checkpoints across new york city and they're saying trump's trump's playing 40 chess to take down the deep state i mean <laughs> wake up folks you know how how much can you be repressed like I, the picture i put on my last video the guy standing there with a noose around his neck on the deck of the ship saying trust the plan 
<laughs> I agree. And I think uh, the election of Trump just merely postponed the revolution, didn't stop it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they never would have, they never would have got away with it. They never would have got away with it if Hillary had, if Hillary had been uh, been elected. You know, trust the plan. Well, the plan was to keep you all keep all the patriots sitting on their butts for the last three years, waiting for Trump to save them while they all got locked down into a prison. Well, that was the plan. Did you like the plan? Thank you for your participation. <laughs> yeah, if Hillary was in, she would have been drone in the protesters right by now. Oh, well, yeah, if Hillary was, it, it, there would have been a revolution if Hillary got in. You would have taken the country back. The patriots would have said, no, nah, this is too much. And there, there would have been an armed uprising in the United States if Hillary got elected. Simple as that. There would have been. You know, Trump, Trump it isn't a matter of Hillary would be droning the protesters. It wouldn't have got this far. You would have taken the country back. Uh, Trump, Trump allowed that not to happen. Kept everybody sitting back, waiting to be saved believing that they're rescuing the children from the <laughs> from the underground bases yeah folks god's sake you know but anyway yeah anyway it's, it's i don't think that uh there's any any credence in the whole q jfk junior thing at all yeah i don't i don't either i i think nish doesn't either i think we agree it's a, just a distraction it's a placation yeah. device mainly yeah. yeah i mean look at the state of your country Really seriously, look at it. Right, mm -hmm. right. Trust the plan. <laughs> look Trust around the plan. you. <laughs> Trust the plan. Yeah, great plan. Doing real well, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> millions of people out of work. Forty million people out of work or something. Great. Yeah, Stop. something like that. We got people all driving around and broken down. All the food yes. checks. It's a savior everything. narrative. It's yeah. a savior narrative, and you know that comes down to a personal situation. Yeah. People yeah. locked into the nanny state. Don't like the old nanny. Now the Q nanny is coming to save me. The new nanny is going to be better than the old nanny. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't have to take responsibility for myself. It's all good. You know? Yeah, that's the whole thing. And it always boils down to one has to do the work. And, mm -hmm. and this programming has all got everyone, uh, my whole life at least, the idea of take a pill for this, where you you shuttle off the responsibility, and and therefore doing the work, you have to do the work. It, it mm. has to. It's it's a personal thing in the end, and that's the bottom line. And it it pulls in the idea of personal responsibility for your own process, and it also in this time where everyone is basically nude, where we see everyone for what they are under this pressure, it's really showing who has been doing the work and who hasn't, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's what a lot of this lockdown is for as well, is to ensure that revolution doesn't happen. You know, they're getting it all done now under the guise of this pandemic because now the writing's going to be on the wall. And the United States, I mean, the people of the United States do still have the opportunity to take the country back. And the unfortunate reality is that if they don't, and if the United States falls, then the world will fall because it's, it, with all of its pitfalls and downfalls and, and mentality problems and, and whatever, the United States is still the only uh, real uh, bastion of potential freedom that exists on earth. And you still do have that national pride that I'm an American and you know, there is a lot of that in the country. And they are beautiful people and you still do have a chance to reclaim your country. And that, that is the unfortunate reality is that the, the world hinges on 
the actions of the American people. And seeing the program drone like nature of the American people, it's not a very comforting thought. But um, it's a reality. It is. It is. I mean, you, you could, if you were to reclaim your country, it would send a shockwave around the world and most of the world would probably reclaim theirs as well. But if America falls, then the world will fall. That's the way it goes. Yes. And I, there's blood on the grounds and the stakes have never been higher. Yeah. I think a yeah. lot of it's going to be stirred up by the election. With, regardless of the outcome, the election itself is going to be that, that the point. I wonder the if there even point. will be an election. I wonder if there even will be an election, whether they'll use this as an excuse to stop the election. I even wonder whether um, Trump will get assassinated. That would, that would serve. Well, this is all in the mix, as you know. Things. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. When Trump was elected, I said I wouldn't be surprised if he gets assassinated. Yeah. You know, it would, it would definitely serve the powers that be for that to happen. And then it would, I mean, whether he even did, I mean, Trump's probably a bio-robot. Who knows, you know? Yeah, I said that. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter who you put in there. Like, I've said so many times, you could put a piece of toast in there, yeah. put, a little, put a little ketchup smiley face on it, a little electronic voice so it says the right <laughs> thing, a little mechanical alarm on it so it can sign executive orders. And there you go, you got your president. Well, hey, the the state of the state of holographics now, the state of deep fakes, MIT's showing what they can do with deep fakes. Mm. What really? It's what do you trust? You have to take this inward. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, when you think you think Westworld, um, how easy would it be to put any anybody you want in there? You know, yeah. One of Bill Clinton when he's sitting there and they're saying, "Oh, it's just mind control." What if it's what if he's just a robot? You know, absolutely. Man, Bill Clinton, like, where he's sitting there getting the makeup put on there and he's just sitting there non-blinking. <laughs> I know that. it's frightening that that it's image. Freaky shit. There was yeah. one of Tony Abbott where they asked Tony Abbott a question. He was an Australian politician, and like he was asked a question and he just sat there going, just just his head was just shaking. He he couldn't he couldn't say anything for about a minute. You yes. find it. You'll probably find it on YouTube. Tony Abbott, um, Frozen or something. I don't know. I got have it. Seen, I found it. Max, have you, you seen that see one? You would have seen this guy. You would have seen this guy. He he asked a question and he just he just he just. It's it's like he he is a glitch. He's not the there. Yeah. He's not there. Is he even a real human being? Is he a robot? <laughs> He's I been mean, Zuckerberged. It's that's a crack in the wall. And there's the one with uh, uh, Gil. Gil Bates, Bill Gates, and uh, where he, have you seen that one where he's, he's not yes, there either? Yes, yes, yes. That was a great yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. with the news reporters where they just start talking gibberish all of a sudden. Um, yeah, it's, that. these are cracks in the wall. Stuff. These, these are, these are glitches in the, in the programming. These are like bio-robots. These aren't real people, you know? Yes. Absolutely. And these, these are, and this is the thing that everyone seems to be falling short with when say companies, big companies like MIT, which did just put out their, their Nixon uh, deep fake uh, this month. Well, now last month uh, showing what they were doing with it. And we of course have seen all the deep fakes that have come out prior with the Steve Buscemi and Jennifer Lawrence and, and the flip-flops and all the different examples of how it works. And now you can get an app on your phone. Uh, there, And then, as I said earlier, the state of holographics and the VR reality, it is so important. And, and then how the mobs of people are attached to 
these idea memes and which is what you were talking about and addressing earlier with you know the hundreds of emails and uh and the experience you had it is it is a time and that to me this is all a major time for people to step aside and from the tech especially at least on a regular basis and go inward that's the only way we're going to find ourselves is to do that because everything around us now is without without apology being presented to us as manipulated absolutely yeah and the, the cold concept of bio robots the last um last report that i put out um yesterday or the day before have a look at the last picture on that report and ask yourself how long this has been going on and who a lot of these people really are but I'm going to have to get going in a minute, actually, though, guys, because I got a heap of stuff I've got to do. Yeah, no, we're, we're actually you. we're actually done. We're, <laughs> to, we're going to wrap up the show. Thank you. Is, there any, is there any more questions? Oh, I'll answer, answer no. the questions. Nope, that oh, was good. all the questions. We're, we're all caught up. I'm pretty sure. Uh, cool, question cool. for you: Do you have anything you want to plug other than your channel and your? Um, no, look, I'm, I'm good. Um, you can find everything out about me at my website, thecrowhouse.com. Um, you can link to my YouTube channel there. I've got a forum on the website as well. You can sign up to the newsletter if I disappear off YouTube. You also find me at the Crow House on BitChute. Um, no, nothing really that I want to plug. I don't have anything for sale or anything like that. I just no, sort of I know. all this sort of stuff. Just I'd give like you to plug chance. that guy's book. I mean, I think that that book may be worth reading. And I, I do apologize to him if he's listening that I haven't got to his book yet, but I promise I will get to it. And I I'm did. going to get to that book. I can guarantee that. I did. Put but a just stay, stay focused, everyone. Stay focused yeah. and stay positive and have no stake in the outcome. You can't have a stake in the outcome of what's going on here because it's a temporary experience. You know, you're going to be gone soon. If the human race destroys itself, it's not your problem. You'd try to <laughs> offer a better suggestion. You know? <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, and, 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 Stay focused and, and walk the path of the warrior. Be able to face infinity without flinching. Realize nobody owns you. And this is just a test. This is just the exam to prepare you for the main event. So don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on uh, on what's really going on here. And just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, folks. It's, uh, it's, it's just a temporary thing. And uh, no stress, no stake in the outcome. You know, all steam ahead and... Um, shine your light as brightly as you can and you will make a difference and thanks for having me on guys it's been thank great. you so thanks, much Max. And thank Max. you everyone for great listening. pleasure yeah thanks nish and we'll see you all next week uh we're having nox Monday next week with salvatore antithesis so that should be another interesting show so thanks again have a great night everyone and we'll see you next week bye-bye <laughs>